Welcome to Who You Calling Crazy. This is a unique mental health podcast. We are erasing the stigma and elevating and normalizing dialogue around mental health. Of course, we'll be sharing practical therapy tips, but most importantly, we'll be diving into the stories and vulnerability of people you know or want to know. I'm your host, Juliette Cunley. So my name is Jenna Banks. I am a social entrepreneur. I'm an author, a speaker, and I have a new book coming out called I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love. And that debuts on March 8th, but by the time anyone's listening to this, it's probably already out. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, been, it's crazy, you know, just the weeks leading up to the book launch and then just feeling that energy that it's here, all that hard work, all the crying and sobbing over my personal stories and like going through all of that all over again, months after month through writing and editing and all of that. It's a lot. And then you get to this huge moment and, you know, I'm all about celebrating your wins, like big and small. And this mm-hmm. is, this is a big, it's a big thing, right? It's a big deal. So I just started writing my first book and I was like, what the hell? I didn't expect this emotional of a roller coaster to your point and the different shapes it starts to take once you start writing, right? There's something in your head. And then as it's flowing, you're like, well, now we're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How long was your writing process? So I had the benefit of COVID. You know, I know a lot of people had a hard time, but I actually was very grateful for the opportunity to have the downtime where there weren't Mm. events and friends doing stuff. And it was just like solitary confinement in a good way for me. So I knocked it out in about four months. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. So what does self-love mean? Well, there is the standard dictionary definition is obviously loving yourself. But what I explore in my book is that it's so, so much deeper than just loving yourself. You know, you can love yourself and still not go for the dream job, right? Mm. You can love yourself and still not ask for what you want out of relationships. It's not enough to just love yourself. You have to love yourself more, more than the boss, more than the partner, more than the family, more than your kids. Even you have to love yourself most, more than anybody else. And when you do, unlike most of us have been taught that self-love is selfish or narcissistic, Mm -hmm. which is a big hurdle that most people have to overcome, as I'm sure you know, in your work. It is, um, it's actually the key because the more you love yourself, the more you actually have to give to everybody else around you, right? So what makes it so hard to do? It is, well, it's exactly that fear of selfishness, Mm -hmm. right? We, especially as women, which is why I wrote the book for women specifically. It's not that men don't need self-love. They do too. There's a whole bunch of men that could use a lot of self-love, but I'm speaking to women's issues in particular because we have been raised and modeled by our mothers, our grandmothers, all the women in our lives, that self-sacrifice is a virtue that, especially if you have a family now to take care of, you lived your life and now you're supposed to sacrifice all your wants and needs and desires and dreams and goals goals for your family because that's your duty. Mm. But it's actually not the case. When we can practice self-love 
during those times that we have a family and others to care for and show them and model them what that looks like when you still have the family and you go for your dreams that you don't sacrifice your happiness. You show them what it looks like to be a happy person. And when you're a happy person, your relationships are better than they get mom and dad or, you know, the partners in a happier situation. They see mom and dad and, you know, going for their goals and their dreams, and they can aspire to do the same things. Mm -hmm. You see, we need to be the models of self-love, not of self-sacrifice. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that people think self-love means complete adoration of oneself in a way that just doesn't really feel realistic to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know? So I tend to use the word in my work of acceptance, but as So can you just speak to that a little bit about, of course, there are still dips and lows and self-doubt and self-consciousness. All of those things can exist within self-love, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. You're still a human being, right? All those things come up. But at the end of the day, that's where you start to practice Mm self-forgiveness, self-compassion. I talk about that a lot in the book. We are human. We are going to err, but that is just part of who we are. We have to forgive ourselves and move on. Another thing I talk about lot about in the book is owning your story. I really owned my story hard when I wrote this book because I talk about some very, very vulnerable things that I used to hide from. Yeah. So let's go there. Let's go there. What are you willing to share with us about your journey? Sure. Sure. So, you know, I came from a very tough background. I'm surprised I'm even alive. Honestly, it was a tough, tough background. And I don't say that like, you know, what's the word euphemistic I mean that literally, like I should have been dead. So basically I was raised in a very strict religious home. It was almost Mm cult-like where we couldn't listen, watch secular TV unless it was like black and white, old, like leave it to beaver. We couldn't even watch like certain cartoons like Scooby-Doo because Mm. there were ghosts in it and it was evil. It was really crazy strict. We couldn't eat candy. And so any doing any of these things, like let's say we snuck and did something like that, it would warrant spankings, but I call them beatings because, you know, it was with two by four piece of wood and you would end up blistered, bruised, and sometimes bleeding. So Mm -hmm. I call that child abuse. So I was raised in this uh, situation, Mm -hmm. ended up leaving, you know, I faced my father when I was 14 and Mm -hmm. I was like, look, I can't live like this anymore. I had so much in me and I, I just couldn't express myself. I couldn't be myself. We were being forced to be molded into this thing that wasn't who I was. So I was just like, life can't be any worse than this. I'm like, I want to leave. And they're like, well, where would you go? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd like to live with my mom. And my mother was in my life like once a year. I really didn't know her. She had her own mental health issues. And, but she was willing to take me. And I was excited about that. Come to find out, I left one horrible situation to go to another. I went from a very physically abusive, situation to a very mentally abusive situation. There was some alcohol abuse and whatever else abuse, but also the mental health issues. And I just basically became numb living with her. I come home and the doors were locked at 14 years old, nowhere to go. And she was mad at me for too many messages on the answering machine, Mm, you know, and so that would be her justification. Sure. So a lot of attachment issues. Yes. For a ch- yes. Yeah. For abandonment and just unpredictability and of the Major. chaos around you. Major unpredictability 
the major abandonment, major lack of love. And so I was always seeking love externally through older boys, you know, whatever. And I had no sense of self-value, no sense of self-worth at all. And I became numb during that time. And so I ended up leaving. The last time she kicked me out was 16. After that, I bounced around from friends to my grandmothers to whatever and ended up leaving high school early, got my GED because I needed to work full-time to support myself. And I ended up suicidal, very suicidal and had multiple attempts. The last attempt, I was 17, landed me in the hospital in a coma. I had to have my stomach pumped. And the only way I survived that was somebody found me convulsing and called the ambulance. But I say all that to say that, you know, I ended up getting pregnant, married it at 19. Thankfully, my son actually did ground me. And so I had a kind of a purpose, a sense to, you know, someone else to live for. So my suicidal tendencies, while they didn't go away completely in my head, I never did attempt it again. But I slowly got out of that way of thinking because I was like, all right, life couldn't be any worse. I've already thought of dying. I think, I don't know if anyone listening now has ever gone through that where you, you think of dying and you do it for so long that it's like, well, what the heck? Like it might as well like go for whatever the hell you want to do in life because you could die. It's not as risky at that point. Risk taking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So many people are afraid of death and I've already gone there in my mind so many times. I'm like, uh, well, let's just go for it. And so that was kind of the approach I took to life going forward. Here I am now divorced, single mom at 22. I just started going for what I wanted and I didn't let things stop me, like not having a four-year education or higher education at all. I had a GED. I used that as best I could, worked up the corporate ladder, ended up you know, making a six-figure income at a pretty young age, started multiple businesses on my own. So I became an entrepreneur early. Then I go back to corporate. I was always in like management or director level roles at that point. And then um, you know, I left my cushy corporate job in 2012, mm-hmm. started my last venture that I sold in 2019. Now I started that with $400 and a laptop and I sold it in 2019, right before COVID hit for half a million dollars cash in my pocket. And it was just in time leading into the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I know there's more in store for me. I've already accomplished a lot in my life. I love life. I've made that whole 180 degree turn, but I ended up realizing through conversations with friends and how I was able to help them through my stories that I didn't, was a long, hard fought battle that got me to the point where I could turn my life around Mm -hmm. and really just take the bull by the horns and live it to the fullest. And it was through self-love. And so that's why I had to write this book is I saw how transformational my stories were for my friend group. And I'm like, you know what? There's something here I need to. And I started like you, I'm writing, writing, seeing where it's going. And I'm like, this is a book. I need Uh to get this out. Yeah. How does one start on the path of self-love when there has been, again, so many attachment wounds and there has to have been, as a kid, the belief about oneself to some extent that I'm unlovable. Yeah. I had that running dialogue. Yeah, I absolutely did. Mm -hmm. Um, I uncovered that through coaching, therapy, whatever. Like I didn't know that was even there Mm -hmm. until way later in life. But And that did affect my relationships, of course. But Mm -hmm. how... How I got there when I broke it down through self-reflection was choosing my happiness. That was always my compass Mm -hmm. and going, I'm not going to settle for this. This isn't Mm -hmm. working for me. I'm not happy. I strive to be happy. And so when I made happiness, my compass, leaving the things that weren't making me happy, it always paid off, including Mm -hmm. eliminating toxic relationships, which I talk about in the book. And that might even mean 
family members. I had mm-hmm. to literally eliminate my mother and my father from sure. being in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boundaries, right? Yeah. Hard boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. What about the religious aspect for you? How, what has that turned out to be your faith journey? You know, you're the first person to ask me that. And I think that's a really, really great question. You'd think that I would run away from it, right? Which I did. I did. I ran away from it for a while until my early twenties, when I started to experience connection with universe, God, whatever you want to say, personally, myself through yoga, I started down the path of yoga and meditation. And I I can't say I didn't do some drugs along the way Mm -hmm. I did, but it actually helped open up that portal for me. So I'm kind of, I'm so grateful for that experience because to that point, I was still closed off because of all the trauma I'd experienced. I consider myself extremely deeply spiritual and I have a lot of thoughts on religion. I do talk about it a little bit in the book. So for, if anyone's curious, I go there. Yes, I do go there. And it was a big, you know, hey, it's hard to put yourself out there, right? Including political release, religious. I don't put any political beliefs in there because I'm I'm not into politics, but definitely I put my thoughts in there about how I thought about religion growing up and when I got out to what it became today. And what was interesting is where I am today is actually had started, the seed started when I was a kid. I was thinking. This makes no sense. I'm a very logical person. Why is the Santa Claus in the sky who created us in his image? You know, we're supposed to be these children of God in God's image. Why would he create us to be in such a way that we would have to suffer lifetime, infinity of lifetime of torture for one lifetime here on earth for making some mistakes, which he created us to make mistakes? It made no sense to me. I'm like, this makes But yet you're saying God is love makes no sense. And then I started to think now here I am a kid, right? I'm like, we're giving our power away to this third party called the church. And these are human beings running it. Why are we giving our power to human beings to get a connection to this, to God, to the universe? It made no sense to me. And I took that forward and I literally still, I'm like, I have the same That's how I feel today. It's like, you don't need a third party to connect the way I feel. And the way I know for myself is that we are all connected to God. We are all part of God. We're all, we are God experiencing what God has created. We're the eyes of God. We are the beings of God. Because if you think about it, God is love, right? That every religion teaches that God is love. So what does that mean? That love is God. When you live in a state of love, you are living, you are God essence. You are in a Mm -hmm. state of God. And really all we have to do is so simple is love, which includes loving ourselves. Actually, it starts with loving ourselves because when you love yourself, when you love the being that God gave you this beautiful experience here on earth, this body, that is loving what God is loving God. And when you love that, it all starts with you as much as you can love yourself is as much as you can love anyone else. As much as you can forgive yourself Mm. is as much as you can forgive anyone else. As much as you can not judge yourself and beat yourself up is as much as you can do that for somebody else. Mm -hmm. It starts with you. It has to start with you. What's the role of forgiveness in your story, whether for yourself or others? Yeah, it's again, forgiving ourselves. I had to learn how to forgive myself to be able to forgive others. But I also have another take on forgiveness. And that is when you forgive others. And I do talk about this in the book because I had this epiphany when I was, you know, in my twenties and it really changed my life. I realized when I was holding on to grudges, 
not forgiving people. The only one was who was suffering was me. It was me. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? Oh, I just need to forgive and let this go. So I have peace. And it changed my life forever. Uh, so you say that you were numb for much of that, your teen age, you know, the teen years. And yet we know, you know, that suicidal ideation comes from just such darkness and fog and, you know, so at some point that numbness turned to despair, not just even despair. I remember it vividly because it was such a strong time of emotion, oddly enough for me, even though I couldn't feel, but what I felt was this, I want to die because I can't feel, I just feel like I don't, there's no sensation. There's no happy. There's no sad. There's no good. There's no bad. There's no joy. There's no sadness. There was nothing. It was just numbness. And I'm like, I can't live like this. Actually getting pregnant at 19 was the thing that saved me Mm -hmm. because the hormones turned on. So what do we say to others to remove that as an option, you know, to ignite hope that you can get to a place where you can feel and that it's safe to feel and you can trust yourself to feel? What do you say to others? That's the best. If you can get to the place of feeling that is, that's the ultimate, because when you're not, when you're suicidal, because you can't feel it's how can we get to a place of feeling? And I'm not an expert in that. I ended up getting blessed and lucky that I got pregnant and I didn't know that that would save me, but that rush of hormones changed my life forever. But I would just, I'm a problem solver. So when I think about what, you know, how can someone else get there without getting pregnant per se, especially if you're a dude, as you're a dude, I don't think that's going to happen. Not these days anyways, but who knows what the future holds, but, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, just find a way to start feeling, you know, and maybe it's, maybe it's therapy, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's letting yourself go to those places and experience the stuff that we do tend to stuff away. I mean, that's probably why I went numb is I, I had to stop feeling so I could stop hurting, you know, and crying myself to sleep every night and all that. I think that was self-protectionism. So maybe looking at that and going, Hey, you know, where, well, how did I get here in the first place? And it's talk to me about your community, especially in those times, uh, your support system, who did you find? Who did you have? Nobody. I had myself. Yeah. I had nobody. What about now? What are your relationships like? I have the most robust, amazing network of loving, incredible friends. It's just insane. And I've been able to recently in the past few years, reconnect with my half siblings who once I left home at 14, that we weren't allowed to communicate. So we kind of, we didn't know each other after that they were so little. So we started to get to know each other and be involved in each other's lives. And they're in Florida, I'm in Georgia. So now we're closer. I was in California before. So now we get to see each other for our big events and be there for each other and give each other that love that we didn't get to do. So it's been really nice. But I have to say, I was just in, I was just in the Bahamas. This is how amazing our friend group is with 50 people, 50 friends. Like we travel the world together. We have events together. We're always doing celebrations together. And our, our group just keeps growing and adding. And as I, you know, through COVID started writing my book, I decided, you know what, Jenna, I was never a networker before, but anyone listening right now who might've been where I was, where I was just kind of had my few friends, my six friends or whatever, and kept my group small. I was always on, not in the spotlight when I had my company, no one knew I was the owner. My name was never on the about us page. It was, I am just an employee of my company. I 
hated the spotlight. Mm. But I turned that around during COVID. I said, you know what? This is bigger than me. I want to change people's lives through this. And the only way to really do that is to connect. And so I started connecting. I started connecting on LinkedIn. I started connecting through women's networking groups, through COVID, through Zoom and all of that, and expanded my network so much that I just have I would now say I have hundreds of women mm-hmm. and men who are so supportive of this mission. And we're now we're doing stuff together. I'm on their podcast. They're on my show. We're doing all this great stuff. We're planning events together. I have a, an event coming up on March 8th called the Powerful Women Roundtable Talks with some amazing women that I met during COVID that are doing amazing things to help inspire and empower other women. I decided to go the opposite way mm-hmm. and it's been so beautiful to connect. So yeah. I think connection's huge, right? It is community and feeling, knowing that you're not alone. And that was really the impetus of this podcast is the storytelling piece of it so that we know we're not alone. Yeah. And that opposite action is so powerful. We talk about that in therapy as a coping skill, you know, anxiety and self-doubt wants us to avoid or shrink or play small. And so the opposite action to that is to approach, to do the thing. So to reach out to your example, to reach out and, and connect or to put your name out there, even if it's uncomfortable. And now you're reaping the benefits of that and seeing that it's okay to step into our power. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So so I have this thing I talk about in the book. It's my framework really. And I'm turning, and that's now the framework for my talks and my workshops. So I have this thing called the power container. I put a name on it after again, writing the book. I'm like, what is this thing that I've always done, Mm -hmm. but I can't, you know, I never didn't have to write about it. And now I do, I call it the power container. It's this imaginary vessel that rests in your soul. Like, let's say, imagine it's around your, from your stomach at the bottom area to the top of your chest. And that is where your power container sits. Now I've done this all my life and didn't realize it until, you know, I started to put it down in the book. Like I had this framework all my life, but basically you can either harness your energy and fill up your power container to the place where it's on power full F U L L. And we know what that feels like. I'm on powerful so much these days. It's like, I, I try to always operate from a place of powerful. You know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. You feel like you can accomplish all your goals that, you know, you're just on this amazing, you know, you're magnetic. You attract all these amazing things to you. You're radiant. Like when you go out in public, people want to get to know you. They're like complete strangers walk up to me at the grocery store store and say, hi, you, mm-hmm. you know what it feels like, but we also know the opposite. What that feels like when you're drained, when your power containers run in low, you feel demotivated, anxious, depressed. You feel mm-hmm. like pessimistic about your future. You're annoyed. And what do you call it? You have like short fuse, irritable, yeah, irritable. You feel resentful to the people you love because they're not giving you back what you give them, right? You've been depleting, depleting, depleting. This is why self-love Love is so important because through self-love, you power back up. You realize that I'm responsible for filling up my power container. It's nobody else's responsibility Mm -hmm. to make me happy. It's my responsibility to fill up. And that might mean blocking the power drains. Like I'm going to say no when I feel like saying no. I'm going to set boundaries on my energy because I need my energy for me. That's not selfish. That is self-loving. I am going to spend and time and nurturing my relationship with myself and journal and get therapy if I need to get therapy and invest in myself, right? That's powering up your power container. Yeah, I like that. It's so hard for some people who do feel that unworthiness to even 
be open to the idea of self-love, which is why I think sometimes those words that like acceptance and compassion can feel a little bit more digestible to certain people to get to that journey of what self-love really looks like. So I like your approach of choosing yourself. That's kind of what I'm hearing is like a theme is choosing yourself and shedding this thing that we've learned that that's selfish. And the more we choose that, the better everyone is. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. The better you are, the better everyone else is. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because that literally was the spark that got me to write the book. So I want to tell this little story because if anyone can, can relate to this, I know through stories, a lot of times it's easier to connect to a concept, especially if, as you mentioned, you're in this place of feeling a lack of self-value and unworthy, right? So what sparked the idea of the book for me was one conversation. So I went to dinner with a friend of mine shortly after I broke up with a, a guy that I was really, really in love with. And I was heartbroken, but I broke up with him, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in pain. This was a few weeks after our breakup. She and I went to dinner. She knew both of us and she knew, loved both of us. And she's like, I know she was thinking, I'm just going to talk her into getting back together with him because mm-hmm. they need to be back together. So she's trying to understand, hey, why? I don't understand. Why did you break up? What's the reasoning? And And I go pretty nonchalantly. I'm like, well, I love me more. And she goes, I don't understand. And I go, okay, let me explain this. I'll try my best. I value myself more than I value anybody else. And if I'm not going to get what I need or feel valued by my partner or, and I'm feeling more unhappy than I'm happy, I have no hesitation to choose myself and put myself first and walk away. Even if that means breaking my own heart. And she's just like, I don't get it. I don't mm-hmm. get it. I don't get it. And I was like, I was like sh- a little bit shocked, but I was like, okay, well, after dinner, and I thought I'd done my best. I thought I explained it to her and I thought she got it. Uh-huh. Maybe she goes away. A few weeks later, she calls me and she's like, oh my God, I got it. I get it. And I was like, she goes, look, I was dating this guy. I was like, I know, I know he wasn't right. She's like, I, she's like, I broke up with him. She goes, and your story gave me the power. And I was like, she goes, he was constantly sending her these random text messages making her feel a certain way and then causing her confusion. So she had this constant like feeling of anxiety, lack of worthiness, not lack of value, not knowing where she stood with this guy. And she's like, I realized at that moment that I wasn't valuing myself by allowing the situation in my life. It wasn't serving me. It wasn't aligned with what I wanted for myself. He was definitely not aligned with what I wanted in a relationship. And she's like, I got it. I wasn't valuing myself. It's almost like this third-party person looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I'm not valuing myself. She's like, I get it now. She goes, this is so powerful, you know? And so she goes on to tell her friends and she's like, they called it, I love me more. And then, which is the name of my book, (laughs) you know, and then she goes, it would be really interesting, Jenna, to understand how you got to this place where you could, without hesitation, choose yourself. And I was like, ah, okay. And that's when I started journaling about it. Yeah. And and that's what sparked this book. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That we can love somebody and they still aren't right for us. Yeah. Um, we can love somebody and still not be getting our needs met, but this is us finding that permission to choose to get our needs met. Choose yourself and you will live a life of happiness and success. And that is, a, it's how to find happiness and success through self-love. When you choose yourself and you will find it, that is your path. You just keep choosing happiness. You just keep choosing your self-love and it will lead you on the right path for you. Thanks for sharing your story and um, good luck with the book launch. Excited for you. you.
Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on today. Love it. So the eighth, huh? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. What are you going to do for the launch? Uh, I've got two things planned. I've got the Powerful Women event, which is on March 8th, um, which is a roundtable talks. But afterwards, I have the after party, the book launch party that's virtual for anyone who might want to join. But I'm doing a friends and family big blowout on the 19th. I've got a big old, I've got an art gallery booked where we've got just a DJ and the whole shebang. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think Tuesday is International Women's Day. It is. Yeah. 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 So it's launching that. on International Perfect. Women's Day. Yeah. <laughs> love that. That's great. I also asked you, Julia, I would love to send you a hard copy of the book if you'd be open to it. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Thank that. you. I yeah. just need your address. And I saw it was in your email. I didn't know if that yeah, was that one's place. fine. That's the office. Okay. Yeah. That's All right, great. I'm going to send it there. Yeah. And, and what you. about you? Are you said you're writing your book right now? I'm writing a book. Yeah. And it's going to be called Who You Calling Crazy. I love but it. I thought it was going to be more centered around podcast stories or what I've learned from all the different stories, that sort of thing, but it's, it's starting to pivot. So we'll see. We shall see. I just started um, a few weeks ago. So I'm, it's like very new. Let me know if you need any tips because I've got a lot. I've been down this path and there are a lot of things that I had to learn. Like I didn't know about publishing and I didn't know about editing and all of that. So if you need any, are you self publishing or did you, you so I did hybrid. Okay. Yeah. That's what a lot of people are doing these days, huh? It's the only way to really control your destiny. Like otherwise you're waiting years for it to come out and it's a long route. You've got to get an agent. You've got to write a proposal. It's, and that's, it's hard. I went this hybrid route and it let me go from, I started writing in July of 2020 and it's coming out March. So a year and a half ish. That's a short time frame. Okay. Yeah. I went with Greenleaf book group. I highly recommend them. They are high quality. All their people come from, you know, big publishers like uh, Penguin, Random House, Simon and Schuster. And so the quality of the book is that quality. It's a beautiful quality product that they make. I love their royalty structure. It's actually really, really good. Okay. The the only thing you have to know going into it is you pay for everything. So that's, that's, that's helpful. I know, of course, but those beautiful risks that you, you know, when you put it out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm on this publishing imprint they have called Brain Trust Inc. So they have a few. They do Inc. Magazine. I think they do Forbes or Fast Company. Mm -hmm. And then they have uh, a couple others. And then they have Brain Trust Inc. Now, Brain Trust is a newer one. It launched last year. It is all about women's empowerment, Mm -hmm. but also, so it's women is their main focus, but also like underheard voices. They want to give a Mm -hmm. megaphone to the underheard voices. So whether it's sustainability, DEI, that kind of thing. So, and uh, it's a really great organization to be part of. So I'm happy to go into more detail if you ever want to know. No, that's great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So I'll um, email you or usually I just do the big pushes on Instagram and I, then I'm I'm trying to get better at LinkedIn. There's, there's so many platforms there are. Um, So I'll let you know when we get it all edited and I'm happy to promote it as well. So send me anything you've got and I'm happy to push it out as well. Okay. Thanks Jenna. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You do the same. Okay. Mm -hmm. Bye. So who you calling crazy? I think you mean human. We are removing the stigma, y'all. Say it loud and proud. Yep, I go to therapy. Who you calling crazy?